when we were in our planning meeting on Tuesday. And I saw I was preaching. I'm like, I'll get mum to host. Because you can't go wrong. Can't get a bad intro when your mum's hosting. That's right. That's right. She even said I was young. Woo! With his hair. I'm still young. Still young. Come on. Woo! It was good. Hey, is the wor- if you're on the worship team, could you stand up? Worship team, stand up. If, if not just today, just like if you serve media or worship, um, I just want you to stand. I really want to honour you guys, and let's give them a hand. And uh, and I just felt, I just sense, I just sensed in my spirit that worship there is there is a river of intimacy being built in this house. And I felt let's just stretch our hands out towards our just our worship crew because. I just really feel like we, there's going to come a Sunday where the glory of God's just, it, it, who knows that he comes without measure and he's here, but you know when God walks into the room as well. And, uh, and I felt that this morning and I, I'm not a big feeler. So when I feel stuff like that, you know, it's, you know, God's here. And, uh, and I, just, I just sense through our worship that there's going to come a time where people, you're just going to be on the floor weeping Hard hearts are going to crack open. And so can we just pray in the spirit right now and pray for our worship team? God, we just bless them. Lord, uh, we just pray for our worship in this house. Holy Spirit, thank you that you help us to worship, that that is who you are, that we are born again in you, and we actually can't worship you without you. So I thank you for that, God. I pray for our worship team. I pray uh, for media, Father. We bless them in Jesus' mighty name. And God, I ask that in the secret place, Lord, in their individual time with you, that they would experience encounters with you, Jesus. Come on, church. That, Lord, that they would know you deeply, that I just see Colossians 2 over our worship, that our roots would grow down deeper into Christ, that we would grow down deeper and deeper into our Lord in Jesus' mighty name. Father, may there be healing that breaks out in worship. May there be the baptism of the Spirit that breaks out in worship. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Everyone said amen. Come on. It's good. It's good. Um, hey, I've, I've set myself a, a task today because uh, I, want, I want you to turn me to Acts chapter 2, uh, but I'm, I'm preaching probably on the most... Uh, controversial topic in in church history, and um, and so it's <laughs> I want to get it I want to get it right. I, I, I but I want us to go back to the Bible. Who knows that? <laughs> who knows that biblical Christianity is much better than relevant Christianity? Who knows that the Word of God is much better than the Word of the world? Come on. Who knows that we are people of the Holy Spirit? Did you know that the church was birthed in the Holy Spirit? That we are here because of the Holy Spirit. And so I love good principles. I love good values. I love living a good life with with stable things and, and and a healthy inner world. But who knows that Christians are defined by following Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. So we don't just need better Christians we need spirit-filled believers who are here to destroy the gates of hell. Come on. Because that's why Jesus built his church. Did you know that? He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't stand against it. And, and I'm, a, I'm a good Christian. I grew up a good Christian. But a good Christian cannot deal with the devil. Come on. A good Christian cannot shut the gates of hell. It takes a spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-empowered Christian to do it. Bang. That's my intro. Come on. So, Acts chapter 2, turn there. We're awake, we're alive. This is going to be fun. Uh, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house when they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So there were 120, we all know this story, most of us would, 120 disciples waiting in the upper room. Jesus has ascended to heaven. He said, wait, and my spirit is going to be poured out. Wait until power on high comes and clothes you. Verse 4, 
all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this is, this is the birthday of the church. The Holy Spirit comes. Who knows that Jesus, he breathed on his disciples and they received the Holy Spirit. So this is talking about another experience with the Holy Spirit. I'm, just, I'm sensitive to, we've all come from different backgrounds. There's, there's different people in the room who've come from different denominations, different everything. And, um, and so what I want us to do is, is take off our denominational glasses and I just want us to read this for what it is. Come on. Uh, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we look uh, directly after this as they're speaking in tongues. There's, there's the, a, whole, a whole bunch of different cultures there. And they all, hear, uh, they all hear the disciples proclaiming the mighty acts of God in their own tongue, right? And, uh, and so Peter then gets up and preaches a sermon. So who knows that, that Peter, who denied Jesus, Peter says, I'm going to go with you to the end, Jesus. And then he sees Jesus get arrested, Jesus on the cross. And he's like, uh-uh, I ain't going there. So he denies Jesus, right? So this is Peter. Uh, he then gets filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is a really good example of someone, when you get filled with the Spirit, all of a sudden he moves in power and authority and he preaches the gospel. And how many people were saved? 3,000. So we know that with the ministry of Moses on the mountain, when the law was given and he comes down the mountain, there was 3,000 people that died, right? Because they were all committing idolatry. And so we look at the difference between the ministry of Moses and then under Jesus and being filled with the Spirit, there's 3,000 people saved. Come on, that's a good thing. Can I get a bit more juice on my mic? That'd be good. I feel, am, I, am I quiet or am I good? Oh, okay. I just feel maybe it's just the, I don't know. Maybe I feel like I have to preach it. Woo! It's a Benny Hinn, the anointing. Get my, I got a jacket on too. I got a jacket. No, it's all right. Okay. Oh, only a few people got that. It's good. Um, so, I want you to think about this. When uh, in, in Genesis chapter 11, mankind all comes together and, and it's called the, the, they're building the, the Tower of Babel, right? The Tower of Babel. And as they all come together, what do they say? They say, we want to build a tower in their pride, in the pride of man. They want to build a tower that reaches to the heavens. So man is trying to get to heaven. And what does God do? God looks down on them. In the Hebrew, it actually says he stoops over and looks down. And he confuses their language, right? So Acts chapter 2, being Christian... Uh, Following Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit, the birthday of the church was a restoration for humanity because God restored the language of the people so that every single person could hear the mighty acts of God. And where there was division in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel and no one could understand one another because the languages were confused and they all had to go their separate ways because man was trying to get to heaven. All of a sudden in Acts chapter 2, heaven comes down by the power of the Holy Spirit and fills man and they begin to speak in other tongues and unite people. Come on. Who knows that Jesus is the banner of salvation to the nations that unites humanity. There's neither slave nor free man. We're all one in Christ. Come on. That's a good thing. And so I want to I wanna share on tongues. I just think tongues is such a, a, a confused topic in the church. And I'm not, I'm not coming as if I, 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 I know it all. But I just, I just feel like the Lord's on this. We've been going through prayer and I think the I think the gift of tongues is essential to a strong prayer life I do think that I do believe that I think that Jesus gave it to the church for a reason I think when people were filled with the spirit and then when they spoke in tongues as a sign I think he did that for a reason and it's not to be thrown away today and it's not to be taken lightly and I would even say this that what you what you treat as holy 
becomes holy and actually God, God begins to see that you value that in your life and he releases more to you. And I think what's happened in the church is it's been so confused that some people are off here, some people are over here, some people are here, and we actually need to get to a healthy place where we treat it as holy. So the Lord says that I'm going to help you in this, in your prayer life, to strengthen you so that you can disarm the gates of hell in your world. Come on. So I want, I want to share this. Mark 16, you, don't, you can turn there if you want to. Uh, it says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. I just want to warn you, it's 11.26. I may take a little bit longer today, all right? I want to get it right. I don't want to, like, you're dealing with something where, where you just want to, I want to explain things well, but I don't want to over-explain things too. It says, and these signs, thanks, ben. Benny's got all day. He's good. <laughs> these signs, I don't, mate, I need to go home and have lunch now will accompany those who believe in my name. So we don't throw out this scripture. This is a commission from Jesus, right? In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues, right? These signs will accompany those who what? Believe. So the qualification for living with the Holy Spirit, for following Jesus, is believing. The qualification for driving out demons is believing, the qualification that they will speak in new tongues is believing. So I just want to remove lies off people today that would say that tongues is just for an elite set of Christians or tongues is God's withholding stuff from people. Uh, I also, I'll, I'll, actually I'll share that soon, but it says eight, verse 18, they will pick up snakes with their hands, metaphoric, symbolic or physical, I don't know. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will all place their they will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Come on, so healing is for today. We believe that healing is for today. Healing is for those who believe that every single person, everyone gets to play. Amen. And we see that that it's not the anointed man or woman of God. Every single person can lay hands on the sick, pray for them, and see healings. Amen. So they will speak in new tongues. I believe that tongues is for everyone. I do believe that. I, I think there's mysteries in our relationship with God and I'm sure there's people in the room and maybe you've had bad experiences with the gift of tongues and maybe you've been prayed for plenty of times and things haven't happened for you or things, whatever. I, I still do believe that the gift of tongues scripturally is for everyone because I believe that tongues is within the realm of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit lives within you. Just as I believe that the, 12, that the 12 gifts, nine gifts, the nine gifts are for every single person and the gift of tongues is a part of that. So there's five signs. I'll say this and then I'm, I'm going to get rolling. I'm going to get really rolling. But there's five signs. I'll, I'll say four because the fifth one's a bit whatever. How you going? But, <laughs> but the, there's five. There's four. Oh, man. Come on, Dean. There's four signs, main ones. We look all throughout the book of Acts. Whenever you see the disciples, they're filled with the Spirit. There's four signs that they're filled with the Spirit. Number one is power to witness, right? So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you actually have hunger and a power in you to share the gospel, okay? The Holy Spirit lives in you. He should be stirring you up to share the gospel. And if you don't have that little bit of a hunger in you to share with people about Jesus, you need to ask the Lord to birth it in you again. Come on. Because all throughout the book of Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit came upon people and he gave them power to witness. Come on. Because who knows that there's some fearful people in the room and you need power to overcome that fear. Come on. There's, there's, there's been fear in my life. I was... And you need power to overcome that thing. You need to slay the fear of man in your life. I was, I was, when we were on a plane trip recently and we were heading into Orlando and the thought crossed my mind for five seconds that I, sh I should get up and preach the gospel here on the plane. And I, I didn't cross the chicken line. I chickened out. Anyway, we need to break the fear of man. The Holy Spirit gives us power to witness. Come on. Uh, the second thing is prophecy. Whenever the Holy Spirit came upon the church or upon a people, they prophesied. So prophecy is a sign that you're filled with the Spirit. 
that when we carry, when we have, we have the Holy Spirit, that we're designed to hear from God, God is going to speak to us for us personally and for people around us. And we're going to be able to prophesy. There's nothing weird about prophecy. You, you know what's weird about you? That you, you follow Jesus. That's, that can be a bit weird. But there's, if you're going to follow Jesus, you may as well believe that he's going to speak to you and, and, and you're going to hear from God and you can speak to God, to speak to people on behalf of God. Come on. Like, we've got to get over that. There's some people in the room. You've got to get over it. Come on. Uh, the third one is, this is why I had notes because I knew this happened. Joy. Hello. Joy. Come on. Joy. I'm going to stand over here. Stand next to the joyous man. Joy, baby. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're filled with joy. Christians should be the most joyous people in the world. Come on. We should be the most joy-filled people because when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're filled with the joy of the Lord. And you see in the book of Acts, and I'm sorry for those people who want to be really reserved and for people like this, but it says that everyone noticed that the disciples were filled with the Spirit and they were filled with joy right? People around them noticed. Come on. So you, who knows that you notice when people are joyful, right? So that means they were doing something. They were happy. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. Come on. They were joyful. There we go. All right. So they're the signs. I will say this, that I, I, I don't, I personally don't think it's biblical. I think there's enough evidence in scripture to suggest that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you, you, some people would say that you're not filled with the Spirit unless you speak in tongues. That would be a big theology in the Pentecostal church. And uh, I, I personally, I look in the book of Acts and I don't think you can hang your hat on that. I think I know people who don't speak in tongues and they're walking in more power than me. I've, they're, healed, they're seeing more people healed than I am. Come on. So I just think... We, you can't hang your hat on certain things. Don't hang your hat on that. Um, I, I do still believe tongues is for everyone. But, but all the, these are all signs that you're filled with the Spirit. Not, just, not only tongues, power to witness, joy, prophecy, boldness. Come on. So 1 Corinthians 14.1, turn with me there. And we're going to get it. We're going to get right into it. And then I want to pray for people at the end. And, uh, and I'm just believing we're going to have a good Holy Ghost meeting. Come on. Ah. Simon might have to get back up on the keys for me because the keys preach. All right. 1 Corinthians 14.1. Follow the way of love. So everything, everything channels through love. Every single thing. That's why Paul says that first. Everything flows through love. If you're not loving God well and loving people well, no point moving in the gifts of the Spirit. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 13. So get your love right. Follow the way of love. Yeah, I, anyway, read 1 Corinthians 13. That'll, that'll preach it. But you can, you can be, you know what? I, I would rather be known as someone who loves well than an intergalactic apostle of 1,300 churches around the world. Come on. I'd rather be known as someone who loves well, as someone who is an encourager of people, as a humble follower of Jesus, than a, a global senior. But not, not that those roles aren't important, but we just need to get back to the Scripture. Come on. All right. I can say that because I'm, not, I'm, only, I'm the associate pastor, so Liam has to deal with all the other stuff. If you are the, the intellectic apostle in the room, come see Liam. <laughs> Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, oh, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. There's two types of tongues, and this is where people can get confused in the church because there's actually two types of tongues that Paul talks about all throughout 1 Corinthians 14 and that we see throughout Scripture. There is the gift of tongues, which is a part of the nine gifts of the Spirit, 
which is tongues and interpretation. So the gift of tongues is when someone speaks in a tongue and it requires an interpretation to then edify the church so people know what the message is. That's the gift of tongues, right, in the, within the nine gifts. So when the apostles, when the disciples were filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, they moved in the gift of tongues and people from other uh, cultures and nationalities understood what they were saying, right? Because they were moving in the gift of tongues where there is an interpretation. But Paul is really clear here that there's another type of tongues and that's a private tongue. So there is a public tongue which edifies the church and edifies the people and then there is a private tongue that edifies you for your personal prayer life. Because he says that for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but speaks directly to God. Indeed, no one understands them. No one else understands them. When you speak in your private prayer language, in your private tongue, no one else understands you you utter mysteries by the Spirit. So tongues is the language of your inner man. You have an inner man who is filled with the Holy Spirit and you have an outer man. Your outer man is your personality, your mind, your will, your emotions. Who knows that your outer man has a voice? Your outer man speaks. Uh, some people a lot more than others have a, have a big voice in their outer man and they talk a lot. That's all, I won't go any further. But your inner man also has a voice. And what most Christians don't understand and what the church doesn't understand a lot is our inner man. That our inner man, our inner man is full of the Holy Spirit, made brand new, a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. That's why when you were born again, when you received Jesus as your saviour, some people feel, feel something and some people don't. And it's like, well, I just, I believe, like when, when I was... When I was saved, I was like six years old and I believed in Jesus and I'm like, oh, cool, I'm born again. But who knows, I didn't feel it, but the Holy Spirit came in and made me completely brand new in my inner man. But my outer man was exactly the same. My mind, my will, my emotions stayed the same and that's why Paul talks about the renewing of the mind. But we need to learn as believers to engage our inner man. And this is why tongues is so important because tongues is actually the voice of your inner man which prays to God mysteries in the spirit that no one else understands but you're communing directly with the Lord. So does anyone in the room want to commune directly with God? We pray in the spirit. Come on. So tongues bypasses your natural man, what you're thinking, what, what, you're, what you're saying and tongues communes directly with the Lord. And so when there's times in your life and you don't know what to do, who's, who's ever been in a prayer meeting and you get like five minutes in? It's like, man, I'm hungry. <laughs> I could have some water right now. Oh, do I need to go to the toilet? Mm, yeah, maybe I'll go in five minutes. Maybe. <laughs> right? Because who knows we get in prayer meetings and our outer man gets tired. If I said to everyone, we're going we're gonna to pray for half an hour right now. Most people, actually I'll speak for myself, most of us would last five minutes and then we'd start drifting off in our minds somewhere else, wouldn't we? Most people would start thinking about work tomorrow. If we, we call a prayer meeting, uh, you know, there's a prayer meeting tomorrow night, Monday, for an hour, and, and we get there, and most people will struggle to last an hour in a prayer meeting, right? Because That's because of your outer man. Your outer man gets tired, your outer man gets weary, but your inner man is full of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to learn as believers to get strong in the Lord and engage our inner man who is in communion with the Lord. And so when you pray in tongues, when you're getting tired and you're getting weary or there's an issue in life and you're like, I've got no idea what to do, you begin to pray in tongues and all of a sudden you're priming the pump. All of a sudden you're engaging the Holy Spirit within you. All of a sudden you're communing with the Lord and He begins to bring ideas. He begins to bring strategies. He begins to strengthen you in your inner man. Come on, is that good? So look, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue, so we're moving, so keep going on that scripture. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. That word for edify means to build up or to construct, right? 
but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So what's Paul saying? He's saying when you speak in a private tongue, you edify yourself. When you prophesy, you're edifying the people around you. You're building them up. You're constructing something in the spirit. Come on, are we getting that? I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Okay? So come on. That's, that's the Bible. That's scripture right there. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. That was the heart of the great apostle. But I would rather have you prophesy. What's Paul saying? The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. So good, good exegesis is just read on. <laughs> Unless someone interprets. So now he's talking about the public gift of tongues. Unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So when we speak in a private tongue, we edify and we strengthen ourselves. When we speak in a public tongue, there needs to be an interpretation and then it is equal to prophecy because we are getting an interpretation of what the person speaking in tongues is saying and it's equal to prophecy. Why? Because it's building up the church. Come on. But when we speak in a private tongue, we are edifying and we are building up ourselves. And who knows, there's a lot of Christians, a lot of the times we can get weary. And there's a lot of Christians who are battle weary. There's a lot of Christians, I've been serving the Lord, I've been working hard, I've been doing this. And we come to church and we worship and I love worship. we like, come on, I'm there, you hold a worship meeting, I'm the first one there. But Paul says here that it is tongues that builds up your inner man. Come on. So we need to learn to engage the Lord. And one of the greatest ways I can engage God is I can actually speak in tongues. Who knows that it's speaking in tongues? It's not whispering in tongues. Because I heard people say, well, if you're in a prayer meeting and you're praying in tongues, make sure the people around you don't hear because it's a private tongue. And I'm like, well, if you're talking in a prayer meeting, like, like it's, Paul says speaking tongues, right? He doesn't say whisper in the in your. He says pray in tongues. If you, this is why, like, when we talk about praying in the spirit, who knows that the Bible? When the Bible talks about praying in the spirit, it's not only referring to tongues, but it is referring to tongues. So praying in the spirit. Is, is praying in tongues, but it's not praying in tongues as well. You can pray in the Spirit. It, it'd be a good translation would be praying with the Spirit. So you're praying with the Spirit. You're being led by the Spirit. But who knows that it's really easy to get into the Spirit when you pray in tongues. Because all of a sudden, you're jumping straight into the river. And who knows that you get to a point in life where you come up against the devil in your life and you actually need to learn to overcome the powers of darkness. And your outer man cannot handle that. I just want to say this really quickly. Your outer man cannot defeat the devil. But your inner man can defeat the devil. Why? Because you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so uh, in Acts chapter 8, I'm not, I'm, I won't read this. Actually, I'm, I'm going to read this out. I just think this is important. In Acts chapter 8, verse 9, it says, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. So who knows if there's someone in Lilydale and they're not a Christian, they're not following Jesus, and people start calling them the great power of God, they're probably not just sitting back in their deck chair at night making movies, right? They're probably someone who is moving in power, right? You don't call someone the great power of God unless they move in power. So this man, Simon, he was moving in power. Who knows that the devil, the demonic, the kingdom of darkness has a form of power. Come on. I've, I've, I've seen it too much. I've seen too much to realise that the devil's not real. In fact, I've led young men to Jesus in the past two years because they've encountered demons. Come on. And they believe it. They're like, yep, I've seen a demon. A demon came and visited in my, me in my room at night. And I'm like, and I say to them, do you want to have power and authority over that thing? You need to know Jesus. Jesus is the only one who has power and authority over the devil. 
So they followed him. They followed Simon. He had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both, both men and women. Simon himself believed. So I skipped the part at the start where it says Philip comes into Samaria and drives out demons and people get healed. And so Simon, this sorcerer, now believes. Who knows that the devil is no competition for Jesus? Come on. Who knows that in a city, in a region, the devil is no competition for the Holy Spirit? You know, the greatest power and principality in this region is not some demon on high. Do you know who it is? It's the Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. He is the greatest power and principality in our lives and in this region. Come on. Some people, you need to, you need to, you need to shift that devil-focused theology and get going on God. Come on. And so Simon himself believed and was baptized and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw through Philip. So Philip comes into this town, a whole lot of darkness, a whole lot of the demonic, and I, I don't know whether he may have held a prayer meeting, I don't know. I know that Philip was filled with the Spirit and I know he spoke in tongues because he was a part of the 120 in the upper room. And he comes into this uh, town and he, he, here's what I want to encourage people with. It's important to pray, but it's important to go. Because no devil was disarmed through Philip's prayer. Though devils do get disarmed through prayer, but it was through Philip going. He actually had to go. The strong man in the city wasn't disarmed because they stood back and watched. It was disarmed because they thought, let's just go in, let's pray for a few sick people, let's share the gospel, and let's see what the Holy Spirit will do. Come on. There's too many people, you're waiting back. You're sitting back and waiting, and God's saying, hey, just get going. Just get moving. Get the ball rolling. You start moving that car, and, and, and then the, in the... Anyway. Cool. Hallelujah. So there's times where we learn to walk in spiritual strength. This man, Simon the Sorcerer, the reason he repented and followed Philip was because he saw the spiritual strength of God over the spiritual strength of darkness. And I would put it to you today that tongues is what edifies you and gives you spiritual strength so you can carry authority and dominion over darkness. I would put it to you that tongues puts you straight into the, strip, into the slipstream of heaven so that you can build your inner man and walk in the authority that's been given to you. In Ephesians 6, it says, Finally, so we all know this scripture, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He lists off the armour and most people stop there. Remember, good exegesis. Keep reading. Keep reading. Verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on some occasions. Now you're quick. You're quick. Come on. On all occasions. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. There's too many people and we stop short in prayer because we don't know what to pray anymore. We stop short in things in the Lord because we're disappointed, because we're tired, because we're battle-weary, because we've been in a clash with the kingdom of darkness before and felt like we came off second best. But Paul says here, we wear the armour of God, but pray in the Spirit on all occasions. If I said in the room, let's just start praying in the Spirit, we'd probably go for three to four minutes and then we'd start getting weary. We'd start thinking, oh, man, how long is Dean wanting us to do this for? I shouldn't, 
Shouldn't have come to this Holy Spirit-filled church today. We need to learn to develop spiritual strength. Your outer man, I want you to think about this. Your outer man, you develop strength through going to the gym or getting fit or doing some sort of exercise, right? Like if you just sit there doing nothing for a year and eating, eating not good stuff, who knows that your outer man's going to, going to get tired? Your outer man, you're probably going to have to go see the doctor for something. Your outer man is not going to be able to sustain what the Lord has for you. So just as we look after our outer man and we go to the gym, you do workouts, you go for a walk to strengthen your outer man, God has designed your inner man exactly the same. God has designed your inner man who is full of the Spirit to be strengthened. So when we're born again, we are perfect, we are holy, we look exactly like Jesus because he lives in us. Amen? We are righteous. We are loved by God. You're a son or a daughter, but you still grow spiritually. And we need to learn to grow spiritual strength. And I'm telling you right now, God has a call on every single person in this room to destroy the gates of hell. To not just be a good Christian, but to destroy the gates of hell. And so I have to, you have to, grow in spiritual strength. I remember when I started going on outreach, when I started being like, I'm just going to start talking to people about Jesus. I remember it was really difficult. I'd come home feeling like I was beat up. Because you'd go out and I just, you're learning and you're growing spiritually. And I'd go and talk to people and some people, would, would, some people would use words that were not very kind. And especially, no, I won't. And I was going to say something about Collingwood supporters. Sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry, Hannah. I won't go there. Maybe I should say it now, no, no. And, so, and, and you go into a place and there is noticeable like, oh, this is, this is challenging. And you go into other places and you, and oh, can I pray for you? Oh, yeah, sure. I'd love prayer. And you pray with them and they experience the presence of God and they encounter Jesus. And then you go to someone else or a group of young guys I went to. Can I pray with you? You can get bleeped. And then they start yelling explicits at you while you walk off and you say, sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. Who knows that there is a spiritual backlash that you can face? And so what I'm getting at is we need to learn to get strong in the Spirit. And when we pray in tongues, when we pray in the Spirit, so not just praying in tongues, but when we pray in the Spirit, we are edifying, we are building our inner man. We are strengthening our inner man. So you can feel rubbish in your outer man, but you can strengthen your inner man and you can be full of God in your inner man and fully excited and full of faith, but feel terrible in your outer man. Come on. So there's people in the room and you're battling a sickness today and you're weary and you're tired. Pray in the Spirit. Build yourself up in your inner man. Yes, your outer man does not feel great, but your inner man is full of faith and you're connecting and communing with the Lord and you're beginning to release the promises of God in your life even though you don't feel like it. Come on. There's things people need to pray over in the room and you need to stop praying with your natural mind and you need to pray in the Spirit. Come on. Because you're communing with God and you're getting His heart for what you're praying for because your prayers aren't working. Come on. All right. So uh, we're, we're, getting, we're good. I'm doing amazing on time. 1 Corinthians 14, look at verse 13. And this, this is exactly what I was saying. This, this isn't the most pretty message, but I believe it's hitting. I believe this is really important. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. So public tongue, right? For if I pray in a tongue, private tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit. Notice that? So I'll pray with my inner man. 
okay? But I will also pray with my understanding. I'll also pray with my outer man. Are we getting that? I will sing with my spirit. You know, I just, you know in the spirit, I just have an amazing worship voice. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> in the natural, horrendous. <laughs> but, it, but in the spirit, the Lord loves it. And the shower. <laughs> I'll sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. So there are two dimensions to prayer. I want to hit this really quick. There are two dimensions to prayer. There's praying with my understanding. There's praying with my natural mind. Praying what I know to pray. So I read throughout the scriptures and there's things in my life where I just want to see God move or I want to see this thing shift and I know what to pray in the natural. Someone's unwell, I command that thing to move in Jesus' name. We need provision for something. Lord, I thank you that you're my provider. And God, I release your promises, your blessing into this situation. I pray for a provision here, right? You pray with your natural mind. But there comes a time where your natural mind doesn't know what to pray anymore. And where your natural mind doesn't get it. Why? Because it's not working. And you're like, I'm not getting it. I'm like, why isn't this working, God? I've been doing this. I've been trying to go for this. I've been praying for this. This prayer is not shifting anything. And Paul says, there's a time where you pray with your natural mind, but there's a time where you pray in the spirit. And your outer man isn't praying, but your inner man is praying. Your outer man has no idea what's going on. It sounds foolish. Paul goes on to say, it sounds foolish to your outer man. So can I just say this? We are Bible-believing Christians you will look foolish to the world. There are things in following Jesus that look foolish to the world, but God treasures it and God values it and God treats it as holy. And it's time for us to start treasuring it, valuing it and treating it as holy. Come on. And so there are things that you will not get through a natural prayer. Can I just say this right now? There are things that you will not get through a prayer in your natural mind. And so the great Apostle Paul says it's time for you to start praying in the Spirit and time for you to start praying in tongues because when you pray in tongues, you're praying directly to the Lord. You're communing with Him. You're uttering mysteries unto God. Your outer man has no idea what's going on, but your inner man is being built up, being strengthened to overcome the devil in your life. Come on. So Romans 8.21, it says in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We have weakness in our outer man. My inner man isn't weak. My inner man is not weak, but there is weakness in our outer man. We do not know what we ought to pray for. So I just want to say in the room that God is a good father and that's why the scriptures say, ask of me and I will give. Because prayer works. The, we, we, need to be, we, we should be a people of prayer, a house of prayer. Some people, you need to go back to prayer. You need to go back to communing with the Lord. You need to fan the flame. Like Paul said to Timothy, you need to fan the flame of the gift of God within you. Some people, you've, sh you've shrunk back. You've settled in life. It's time to fan the flame again. It's time to pray in the Spirit. It's time to get your inner man strengthened because God has things for you, but you're not ready for it yet. And you need to get yourself ready and prepared and then the Lord's going to release you into it. Come on. And so the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. Do you do you know why the Holy Spirit's groaning? Because he has to live with you. <laughs> you love that. You love it. Yeah. I've done that one before. Still works. He's, he's interceding for you with wordless groans. Oh, why? Why are you praying that prayer? Oh, why? Why'd you do that? Okay. It's bad, isn't it? It's bad. Oh, it's going back to my acting days. Um, <laughs> so the Holy Spirit he inter that's just comforting to know 
that the Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf. Did you know that? Do you know, I just find our relationship with the Lord fascinating that God is interceding for you. Come on. Put your trust in that. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I want to read it in a different translation. Verse 27. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. So he knows your longings. He's a good father. Yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit. So there's things you want in life or there's things you want to happen and God's like, I know your longings, but I actually have something better for you. And so the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. He knows, God knows your heart and your mind, but he also trusts his heart and his mind as a good father. Right? Because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads for God before God for all of us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. I'll read that last part again. The Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us. Uh, like, figure out the Trinity. People think you can figure out God. Well, God, I can read this as God passionately pleads before God for us because the Holy Spirit is God. Amen. The Trinity, three in one. In perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. So the Lord, he has an amazing destiny, an amazing plan for your life, for your family, for this church, for this city, for this region. And you will not know that plan in the natural And the only way we can understand that plan is when we begin to pray in the Spirit. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that when we pray in the Spirit, we actually catch God's heart for our life, God's plan, God's destiny for our life, and we begin to proclaim that forth. So when you're praying in the Spirit, you have no idea what you're praying, but what you're actually praying is you're praying God's destiny and God's plan over your life, over your family, and over your future. Come on. Because who's ever been praying, and you're praying, and it's like, man, I want to pray for my family. I want to pray for my kids. I want to pray for uh, the lead, my leaders, my boss, the leaders of my church. I want to pray. But your prayers last for like a minute or two, and then you run out of prayer. And God's like, no, no, it's actually time to push through and break through. It's actually time to stop praying in the natural. Now you need to pray in the Spirit. Because your natural prayers, you've run out of what to say, but I've got more to say. In fact, when you pray in the Spirit, you're not saying it. God is saying it. Come on, because the Holy Spirit is stirring it up within you. So we learn to pray in the Spirit. We learn to pray, to speak in tongues, to proclaim God's will God's destiny over our lives, God's destiny over our children. I pray in the Spirit uh, for Hazel, and I'm praying and I'm declaring over Hazel. And it, I probably last like two minutes, and then I'm like, that was a good prayer, but God's like, no, there's more. And I'm like, but I don't know what the more is. I don't know what the more is in my natural mind. But all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, there's more, so I begin to pray in the Spirit. I begin to prime the pump, I begin to commune with the Lord. And as I begin to pray in the Spirit, all of a sudden, I'm proclaiming God's will over my child. I'm proclaiming God's destiny over her, not just my desires, but His desires. I'm beginning to bring a breakthrough in the spirit realm, not just the natural, and it's releasing it over Hazel. Then all of a sudden, because I'm communing with God as well, I'm not just praying in the Spirit. I'm not just speaking in tongues and proclaiming destiny. My spirit man's communing with the Holy Spirit who lives in me. I'm getting strengthened. Come on. I'm getting strengthened. All of a sudden, I start getting more, and then I go back to praying in the natural because God's given me a prophecy over my child. Awesome. Can we stand together? I remember when I was eight years old. Whew, I feel the Lord. And I remember I was eight and <laughs> my sister came back from a youth camp 
And, uh, and they were all like, oh, we, we, we got prayed and I was filled with the Spirit. I'm like, oh, that's cool. What's that? <laughs> I'm like, oh, what's that? And they're like, oh, that's when you're, you know, the innocent of children, childlike faith, childlike faith, child, childlike faith. And whew, I remember I wanted to know God. I just, I wanted to know God. And I was like, Lord, I, just, I said, I remember saying, I was just like, oh, I want, like, in my heart, so my mum and my sister were there, but in my heart, I just, I wanted to know the Lord. And there was that desire in me to be filled. Like, I was like, yep, yeah, I want to be filled with the Spirit. Yes, Jesus, I'm born again. But there is more of the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. There is more of the Holy Spirit for us. And it was the beautiful childlike hunger and I'm just, I'm emotional about it because I can just feel the, I can just feel the presence of God on childlike faith, just on, on a hunger for, to know God, not just to be a good Christian, not just to like, that's awesome, not just to have good values and be a good person in life. That's so important to raise good kids. It's so important. But to know the Holy Spirit, to walk with the Holy Spirit, and so I remember, like, I just, <laughs> I was just like, oh, I'll, I'll have that. Yeah, I'll, I'll have it. I was eight years old. I remember my sister and my mum prayed with me. And, um, and I, I reckon they'll, they'll pray. They, they did well because it didn't take five, ten minutes. But may, maybe, yeah, I don't know, I didn't have great theology, none of that. But I just, I just wanted to know God. I just wanted to know the God of the Bible and walk in what He said was available. And I remember, I remember being eight years old, and I remember encountering the Holy Spirit. It didn't like, it didn't. I just, I just felt the presence of God. It wasn't like some amazing holy moment, but I knew that God came, and I began to pray in the Spirit. I began to receive the gift of tongues. And like I said before, um, so I'm, I'm laboring this point, but I just think it's important. What I said before, I believe tongues is for everyone. I do believe that. If you don't pray in tongues, there, there is not elite Christians who pray in tongues and Christians who don't pray in tongues who are less as good. You're all filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and the Bible's true that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues I do believe that I don't believe God is withholding it from you though I think, I think it's your personal journey with the Lord